Good morning, Sherwood Oaks. It's good to be here. My name is Josh Reynolds. Uh, my wife, Laura, and I are campus pastors at IU. We work with Christian Student Fellowship, and we've been uh, loving the city of Bloomington for about four years now, and standing in the back and listening to the dull roar coming from this general section of the building reminds me a lot of our house because we have a dull roar that is nonstop. We have four little girls that I call the renegade posse, and uh, they're up here. <laughs> so, uh, so I have a fifth grader, second grader, five-year-old, two-year-old. So we keep it real simple for dumb guys like me. So there's Anson Quinn, Rosie, and sweet baby Lou, and life is good in our house. It turns out that Laura and I are gluttons for punishment because we also have puppy fever. So in one week, there will be a German short hair pointer puppy. Little June will be bouncing around and pooping all over our house. So we are so, so excited for that. So if you want to come, come wrestle a puppy, do it with me. Uh, we love Sherwood Oaks. And Laura and I both serve here. Uh, Laura is um, over at the 930 service. She does a small group with fifth grade ladies. I work with the rascals, eighth grade boys at the 930 in the J High as well. And then we both have the opportunity uh, to work with the marriage ministry team. So Laura has kept me around for 12 years. And so what, what we get to do is help uh, lead the big night out. So if you're not familiar with the Sherwood Oaks marriage ministry, big night out is a one night event where it's for married couples of all ages, no matter how long you've been married, uh, as young as seven to nine months, up to 44 to 50 to 60 years. Uh, and it's just a date night. And so I was telling John Robertson about the big night out, and we were kind of celebrating it uh, over a cup of coffee. And he said, I'm so excited for the big night out to come here to the west side. So in October, pay attention, because we're going to be bringing the big night out to you guys, uh, our team is awesome, and it's just a fun, fun date night. So while John and I were having that cup of coffee, he floated the idea of maybe preaching on Memorial Day. Immediately, I jumped at the chance because it was the, it was the opportunity to celebrate uh, my two grandfathers. Both of them were in the military. Uh, my Gramp James, he flew bombers off of aircraft carriers, and so there's crazy stories that are coming out as he's... Uh, as he gets older and he starts to loosen up in the storytelling, that's a lot of fun. And then my grandpa Reynolds uh, on my dad's side, I want to tell his story to you guys today uh, because it's really, uh, really awesome. And so let me pray for us. And then I'm going to tell you the story. And then if you want to flip ahead in your Bibles, we're going to talk through Hebrews 11 and 12 today and also look at Ephesians 6. So I'm going to tell some stories this morning together. So let's pray. Uh, God, we praise you for a day where we can come on Memorial Day and stand here and declare fearlessly the good news of hope. Uh, Father, I pray, um, pray for the ability to open your word well. God, I pray that we are seeing our lives in your scripture and, uh, and that you honor these words today. So we give you the praise. Amen. So the story is of my dad's dad. Carson Reynolds, and he was a rascal. In eighth grade, he decided that he was done with school and would drop out, and so he did. And so the question is, in a post-depression era before World War II, what does a guy with no education and little skill do? Lives in Appalachia in West Virginia, the rural mountains. 
The legend has it that my grandpa would lie in bed at night with no electricity, no running water, and he would listen to the rain hit the tin roof of his house, and he could hear melodies. So the legend becomes legendary because it's true. And what he did was he taught himself how to play bass based off of what he could hear. So that's my grandpa on the far left there with the upright bass. He, there was this exploding new technology called radio. And my grandfather was in a band that would travel around and he was the bassist or the rhythm guitarist to play on the radio. The war came and my grandfather enlisted and he was over in Europe for years. And what he was a supplier making sure that food, ammunition, etc., got to the front lines where the fighting was happening. And while he was in Europe, he was learning about service and sacrifice. You see, my grandfather was married at the time and he had a son named Sonny. Told you he wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed. He couldn't come up with a better name, so he just called him Sonny. And so, and so uh, in Europe, he was learning what service and sacrifice really meant. Because when he came home, his wife decided that she was done serving and she was done sacrificing for their family. And so she placed in my grandfather's arms a baby and said, go get him, tiger. And she left. And so now my, my grandfather is a veteran who's learned service and sacrifice, but he's a, he's a single dad and he's divorced with no education and really no skill. And so all of this, he's not a Christian yet. And, and what I love telling about this story is this is all preparation his heart is in preparation mode for the time that a friend came to him and took him to a tent revival. Because at the tent revival, he heard a preacher say, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a sacrifice for many. And all of a sudden, the preparation of years in war, in being a single father, in working just to make ends meet, all of a sudden it came to a head in my grandfather's life. And he gave his life to Jesus in that moment. And so there's a storyline of preparation to a moment. We call that salvation in the church. God had been working in the circumstances around him to prepare his heart to make that step into faith. There's some really cool ending parts of this story. Over, uh, over time, he met this saucy little organ player named Catherine. And Catherine and he got married. She wasn't uh, too worried that he had a son named Sonny. And so she had a son named Doug who turned out to be my dad. And they drove from Ohio to Portland, Oregon. And my grandfather, who dropped out of school in eighth grade, enrolled in Warner Pacific Bible College and got his pastoral degree. And for the next 50 years, he was a pastor in only two churches. I mean, you talk about what transformation in a man's life looks like. That process is sanctification. In fact, that's my dad up there behind. It's the guy on the left with great big ears. <laughs> I get those honestly. <clears throat> Over time... Over time, the process of looking more like Christ is sanctification. So our hearts this morning are in preparation for a moment where we are saved, where we step into faith. And then over time, the sin that's in us, we're not free 
of it immediately, but we're free from the penalty of it. And that is salvation. And then over time, we don't step immediately into a real faith, like a, a faith that's mine, but we walk forward faithfully. And that is sanctification. And God himself makes us look more like Christ. One of my favorite Bible verses, Colossians 1.27. You know this one? The mystery has been made known. It's Christ in me, the hope. I might get there of glory. That's transformation. So I want to tell some stories from the Bible today. In Hebrews chapter 11 is the hall of heroes. It's the faith chapter. It's really cool. It's the stories of people throughout Scripture who have responded to what God has said and is saying in their lives. And I hope that we can see our story here. So we're going to look through the first four stories that you find in Hebrews 11. And I've got to memorize so you guys can follow along with me or you can just trust me, right? And so in Hebrews 11, there's four guys, the very first four that I want to look at. The very first one is a guy named Abel. And Abel responded to God and he made a sacrifice, he made a sacrifice that was better than his brothers. And so what started was a family feud. And that was faith in that moment. I don't know if your story sounds like this, where a sacrifice that you have made in your family has caused division. Our sacrifice to God has caused division in your family. The second guy is a guy named Enoch. A lot of times when Enoch gets preached within sermons, it's just this, this kind of glossy sentence, Enoch walked with God. He did. But do you know in Genesis chapter 5, when Enoch started, what was the moment starting Enoch's walk with God? He became a parent. Becoming a parent transforms our walk with God. And from the moment that he became a father, now he walked with God. So I don't know if this is a part of your story. Becoming a parent, is that a piece that's transforming your hearts to look more like Christ? The third guy is Noah. Now we tell the children's version a lot, right? In churches, Noah built a big boat, great. But what we don't tell is that Noah spent years as the scorn and the shame of his community. Noah spent years as the shame of his community. You talk about heart transformation, and maybe this is a piece of your story. The way that you love Jesus maybe sets you up for shame in the people that you walk around with, or maybe it's because it's divisions with your kid, or maybe it's with divisions within your family. The fourth guy is a guy named Abraham. And Abraham is the hero of the Jewish faith, of the Christian faith, because there's the story told in Hebrews chapter 11 that he listened to God. God took him out into the desert and said, look up. And they looked at the stars together. And God said, I'm going to make your family like that. Those are all kids for you, Abraham. And you know what it says? It says, Abraham believed and it was credited to him as righteousness. Like there was this, there was this, Abraham wasn't full of faith, but he was faithful to believe in that moment. You read through Genesis, the story of Abraham in Genesis 18, it's been 30 years and Abraham is starting to wonder, one, did I hear God correctly? Laura and I have that piece of our story. Uh, moving down to Bloomington, uh, we are from a different school. Uh, they paid us to go to that school. So it wasn't like uh, it was dyed in the wool, but we won't mention that school, but red still kind of burns our eyes a little bit. And so 
We moved down to Bloomington and we, we bought our, our dream property. And uh, in the very first winter, the pipes burst and we had $10,000 worth of work that we had to do. And Laura and I looked at each other and we said, did we hear God correctly? Here's the bad news about Abraham. Read it for yourself, Genesis 18. And this is the one that should stick a knife in your gut if you're a Christ follower. Because what Abraham tries to do is control and manipulate God. And so if it's not a family, if it's not a, a child that has caused transformation in your life, if it's not the scorn and shame of a community, you need to take a long look in the mirror and ask yourself, am I a person that attempts to control and manipulate God in order to get what I want? Now, the reason that we tell these stories in the book of Hebrews is because every single one of these men that I've just mentioned, and there's women to follow in Hebrews 11, every single one of them is, it has sin that they live from. Like the story of Abram, right? Abraham right there. He lives from a place of sin, but he's free from the penalty of it. And so my favorite line throughout the story of Hebrews 11 is Hebrews 11, verse 32. And it says, there's so many more stories I could tell you, but I don't have time. And do you want to know why the writer doesn't have time? It's because he's in a rush to chapter 12. He's ready to shut down chapter 11 to get to 12 as fast as he can after telling these stories. Because it's in 12 that we see Jesus. So we're going to put the screen, it up on the screen behind me, and I want you to be able to see it for yourself. Let's read this together. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. I want to leave that there because it's in Hebrews 12 that we see Christ. But we see Christ from the eyes of ourself because all of a sudden now there's a response that I have to take when I see Jesus. And so thinking through my grandfather's story, there's kind of three elements of it. There's a preparation of my grandfather's heart in that story. There's a preparation where he was learning the languages. And so for some people in this room who are not Christ followers, this is for you. You're in preparation, learning the languages, hearing the stories of faith, and realizing that it's not perfect people that are in Scripture. It's me in Scripture. And the storyline of my life where my family's jacked up or I'm having trouble with my kids talking to myself there, or I'm the scorn and the shame of my community, or I attempt to manipulate God, you're in preparation and you're fine. Your heart is being molded to take that next step where in a moment you hear the news of Christ for the first time alive in your heart and it's salvation. And for those of you in the room who are ready to take that step today, that Jesus becomes Lord over every area of your life, your family, your community, your parenting, your own control issues. This is your day. This is your day. Salvation has come. I love the children's story, Zacchaeus. Telling it to my eighth grade boys uh, recently this year. And we were reading the story of Zacchaeus. It was in our small group time. And uh, 
We said, <clears throat> okay, so this dude Zacchaeus, he's short. We get that part. That's the kid's version. He climbs a tree. Okay, we get that. That's the kid's version. The question is, how did he know which sycamore tree to climb? It's not like Jesus' media team posted the parade route, right? Throughout Jerusalem, so Zacchaeus knew, okay, he's going to go down State Street and hang a left. I'll catch him on Rogers right at the corner. Sycamore tree, check. So I'm asking my eighth grade boys this. They're rascals. And they say, maybe Zacchaeus was a wizard. No, the beautiful point of Zacchaeus' story is that he is in preparation of stealing from people, his people. He's been upcharging his own people. And the day that he comes and meets Jesus, Jesus looks at him and Zacchaeus says, I give it back plus. And Jesus looks at Zacchaeus and says, this moment, this moment, salvation has come. If that's your moment today, I'd love to pray with you, love to pray for you. There's a prayer room right back there. Lord, in every area of your life. Because there's a third point to this. For those of us who are following Christ, who are attempting to walk with faithfulness, not a perfect faith, but walking with faithfulness, we need to run. We need to run. And here's the great news of running that Jesus is the pioneer. He is the author. He is the one that started that in your heart and he is the one that will perfect it throughout your life. He will perfect your faith. You don't work harder at your faith. So running is actually moving towards Christ. It's moving into relationship with him. That's your run because he will perfect the race and you will win. It's Veterans Day or Memorial Day, excuse me. And Memorial Day, I get up here and I'm allowed with religious and political freedom to shout about this news. I have the freedom to proclaim fearlessly this. I'm not worried about walking outside. We have to thank those who have gone before us. We, have, we must so today, as a nation, we do that. As a church, we do that. But that's ours to choose right now. The person in Scripture who has this storyline of preparation, a moment, and transformation of his heart, the, one of the best stories to tell is the man named Paul. So flip to Ephesians chapter 6. I'm a pastor on campus at Christian Student Fellowship, and we have a philosophy of teaching straight through a book of the Bible every Thursday night. You'd be welcome to join us. Uh, we're going to teach straight through the book of Matthew in this coming school year on Thursday nights uh, at 8 o'clock. And there's a website or you can talk to me afterwards. But seriously, we would love for you to join us. So I taught through the book of Ephesians, six chapters only. So we took six weeks and a different chapter every week, walking right straight through it. And at the end of Paul's letter, he's anticipating the end of his life. He's about to die and he's writing back to his friends and he's writing theology and he's writing about hope and he's reminding them over and over that there's this moment where Christ has, will save you and there's this moment where over time where Christ will be transforming you. And here in Ephesians chapter 6, he decides to close with this prayer. 
He says, pray for me also that whenever I speak, words may be given so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change. He's in jail writing this. He says, pray that I might declare it fearlessly as I should. Friends, if we don't walk from this place being transformed by Christ in us, if we're not running towards him so that he perfects our faith, then what does declaring it fearlessly mean? What does that even mean? So I'm done. This was fast, rocking and straight through it. And I want to um, close right now with, uh, with an appreciation of the story of my grandfather. I am literally standing on his shoulders right now as I say this, but it is not to point towards him. It is to point towards Christ. And if this is not your legacy, if this is not your legacy, read Ephesians. Because Ephesians 2, 3, and 4 all says that when you are in Christ, you stand on all of scripture. That is your legacy. Let me pray for us. Father God, as a family, as a community, we praise you for the ability uh, and the freedom to speak with passion. God, to open your word fearlessly. There are those around the world that do not have this. And Father, I pray that right now we do not take it for granted. God, we praise you for your son. We praise you that he gave up his rights to come to earth. And God, that he calls us. He is the pioneer, the author. And yet he works within us to perfect it. I pray that that is rest today and at the same time causes us to go deeply towards you, to run towards you. So I pray that for this room. Amen.